Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson. If you're listening to this, then I know you are enjoying the Bumps and Thumbs podcast. In order to continue to run the podcast and get guests on the show, we need support from people like you. Please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N dash Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, the number three, and click on the support button. Once you are there, you'll have options to select from to make a monthly contribution. Your support will help us get on wrestling stars that require financial compensation. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-N dash Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, the number three, and click on the support button. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support and enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today has authored or co-authored 17 books and is the producer of the SlamWrestling.net website. He's also been honored by the Cauliflower Alley Club with the James C. Melby Historian Award in 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Greg Oliver. Greg, thanks for coming on the show today. really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show, Brian. I really appreciate it. Reached out to you and... It was pretty easy. Um, I did not realize, I just started following your work a few months back. I didn't realize that you were in, in Canada. So that's, that's, that's pretty interesting. So, Well, that, that's the thing about the internet though, right? It doesn't really matter. You can do the work from anywhere. You can now, definitely. I, I just got a new book from Scott Teal and his Crowbar Press. And the guy who wrote about the history of Amarillo, Texas, is in England. So oh, there you go. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't. And I'm sure with COVID, that helped a lot of people. That's why I started doing this because of COVID, being at home. So it does its wonders, the internet. So, all right, let's talk a little bit. Uh, growing up, you uh, born and raised in Canada. Uh, can we talk a little bit about your uh, childhood and, and your schooling and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it, I mean, plain and simple Hulkamania ran wild on me uh I was the right age you know in 1984 and 1985 I was uh you know 13 14 and uh everybody was talking about it so I became a fan through that and I know I missed out on some good stuff that was in and around Toronto uh I grew up in Kitchener which is about an hour from Toronto but uh you know it coincided with us getting an Apple IIe computer And we got a program called, uh, it was a desktop publishing program. And, you know, my brother and I started playing around. The next thing you knew, we did a little newsletter. And it was a way for us to capitalize on pro wrestling. Of course, we had no clue there were other newsletters out there at that point. (laughs) We're just, you know, high school or grade school kids and just uh, trying to have some fun uh, and really enjoying the wrestling. It's embarrassing looking back at those early editions of the Canadian Wrestling Report because they were so kayfabe and so goofy, but yet, you know, you had to start somewhere, right? Right. Here I am 35 years later, which is terrifying. And, uh, you know, Canada was a good market, but it wasn't the same market, right? Because we didn't get everything we did in the U.S. We didn't get WTBS for years, uh, as as a good example. Um, WWF would come regularly to Toronto, which was a good thing, and they'd often do the little circuit, including coming to 
Kitchener, where I grew up. So it's, um, and, and then we got occasional other shows, right? We had uh, BCTV, which was out of uh, British Columbia. They did the Vancouver All-Star Wrestling. Okay. Uh, again, just the same as how ESPN started in 81. Yeah. In, in or was that 79 but um tsn was our national sports broadcaster that started in 84 and they had pro wrestling on from the start it was awa and then they added stampede and um there was another show called pro wrestling plus that was hosted by ed whalen uh the the guy who did stampede wrestling and you know he promoted all kinds of different wrestling and he plugged my newsletter a few times so that's how i ended up with you know a couple hundred subscribers across the country so I owe a lot to Ed Whale and, um, and to Norm DaCosta and the Toronto Star, who also gave me a number of plugs. That's very interesting. You, you mentioned the AWA. I'm from Wisconsin originally. I was born and raised there. So I saw a lot of the AWA in its heyday in the early 80s. And it seemed like you woke up one day, you saw all those guys in the AWA, and then the next day they were all in the WWF. And uh, certainly the way it happened. Yeah, it was very unexpected. Yeah. And I was really amazed that I read some of your bio from your your website. Uh, You started that fan uh, or that report, excuse me, when you were about 14 or 15 years old. Yeah. And and that's pretty amazing that you had that kind of talent and that much, I guess, passion for the business to to start doing that and, and be successful at it. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, you said you got the Hulkamania bug. Was there any other stars, maybe an AWA or, or up in Canada with a stampede wrestling or anything that kind of inspired you to do that? Well, I, I, I guess, first off, I always wanted to be a writer. So by grade, grade seven, grade eight, I, I knew I was going to be a writer. I worked on a novel that is embarrassing now to look at, but you know, that was a grade eight kind of thing. And so I knew I wanted to write. And so that led me to newspapers, which led me, you know, and all those things intertwine, right? You do your, your newsletter. And then I did the school newspaper and I did a year at the Kitchener Waterloo record. So all these things sort of all fit together nicely. And, and wrestling just happened to be one of the things I wrote about. Um, I was much more passionate about wrestling then than I am now. Mm-hmm. Now it's sort of like a job, I guess is the best way to put it. I don't need to watch it as much as I used to back then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, with Stampede, you learn to love guys like Owen Hart and uh, Makan Singh, who was Mike Shaw. Uh, you you certainly, I mean, the AWA, we got some of it and it was unique because they they would film the sh- some of the extras in Winnipeg and insert mm-hmm. them into the, the TSN show. So there was some Canadian content. Yeah. So we got some matches that didn't get aired in the regular AWA territory. Uh, yeah, I mean, I always liked Rick Martel. Uh, and then, of course, once we learned about the NWA and I learned about tape trading and found some of those friends, you know, we'd be getting the pay-per-views and all those things, too. Because that's also another key is Canada was about five or six years behind the U.S. before we got pay-per-views. Oh, so you yeah. have to find somebody that had a satellite dish to be able to see the latest NWA pay-per-view or okay. the latest from the WWF. Yeah. Did not know that. Very interesting. Well, it, it's a market thing, right? I mean, if yeah. there's 250 million people in the U.S., there's 25 million in Canada. Like, what's the point of doing all the infrastructure for that few people? Yeah. Well, you know, now we got the internet, right? 
We do, and so you can you can order those uh, hard to find Doritos or or uh, Mountain Dew ones that you can't get in Canada. You can get them up here if you really really want them. And I'm not speaking personally; I'm just saying those are examples. That's the saying. So you've written quite a few books, uh, seventeen from what I've counted, and you've got another one in the works. Well, there's uh, two in the works, but oh, okay. <laughs> But before all that, I mean, it's important to mention that I worked at the Toronto Sun for five years. Okay. And it was one of the, you know, one of the biggest newspapers in Canada at the time and really important. And it connected me with many people at the other Sun newspapers, right? It was a chain. Mm -hmm. When they decided to start a website, and this was, you know, 1995, it was groundbreaking for a newspaper to have an idea to do a website. Uh, The powers that be, the the elf lords, as they were called, um, they had this idea that they could bring, make a portal, right? And then now we think nothing of that, but that was pretty revolutionary at the time. It was a place where you could go get all the newspapers uh, and they made lots of different partnership deals. What that meant though, was there was a Bret Hart wrestling column in the Calgary Sun. There was a, um, Cyrus was doing a column in the, in the Winnipeg paper. There was a Mr. X in the Ottawa paper and in Toronto, there was a wrestling column too. So we had wrestling content all of a sudden. Yeah. We needed a home. So we built Slam Wrestling uh, as a part of Slam Sports, and it just grew from there. And we started doing content and doing original stories, you know, not long after the website launched in uh, March 96. I mean, I did the first wrestling-related interview with The Rock. He was, oh. you know, standing at Skydome in Toronto at the back when they introduced Tiger Ali Singh. One of those second-generation guys went on to be a bigger star. Yeah. <laughs> I think we know which one. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, technically he's a third generation, but yeah, you yeah. get the idea. So slam wrestling is really the reason I'm wearing him today in the sense that I gained a reputation that way. Mm-hmm. And so ECW press approached me, Michael Holmes, the editor there and said, Hey, you ever thought about doing a wrestling book? And I thought about it for a couple of minutes and said, yeah, there needs to be something about Canadian wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And that led to the pro wrestling hall of fame, the Canadians, mm-hmm. That got read by Steve Johnson, and then all of a sudden I have a writing partner who, you know, he's a decade older than me, so it was challenging. It was great because he made me work harder. Um, I really honed my skills working with Steve, and now I find myself sharing a lot of that knowledge with my young writers at Slam. It's hard to identify sometimes when they're, you know, 30 years younger than you, but what are you going to do? You got to do it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I read uh, your bio on your website. You, you and I are only about two months apart. I was born in uh, November of 70. And if that's right, February of 71. So you just. Yeah, it's not a work. I, uh, that, that one's legit. Okay. So we're only a couple months apart. That was, that was pretty gracious. So the Slam Wrestling website, I started looking through it. You had a lot of great information in there about wrestling. And the one that really struck me was this deal with Greg Gagne uh, and those figures. Um, I mean, how did, did you get approached about doing that or did you reach out to them or how did that work? Well, the best way to describe it is, you know, wrestling's been my beat for 30 years. Mm -hmm. So you get to know people, uh, and you never know how things are going to be interconnected in your life. And that goes for all of life, right? right? Every job I've had stems from that, uh, lucky break I got to start at the Toronto Sun Library. And, you know, whatever, a lot of freelance stuff comes out of there, everything over the years, it's, it's, I can really tie it all back to there. So wrestling's not all that different. You get to know people, 
you make friends, you go to connection, you, you go to conventions, right? So at the right. California Alley Club, I met John Arezzi and I end up doing John Arezzi's book. And yeah. then John Arezzi, you know, introduces me to Medusa. And so that's my next wrestling book coming out is working with Medusa, mm-hmm. uh, Alunda Blaze on her book. And of course, I've learned a lot about monster trucks there too. But however, <laughs> at some point she'd been approached by Greg Gagne as, as a part of this, this um, power town line of yeah. a figure. So I'd already met Greg. I knew Greg. And so we started trying to find all that out and yeah. it just turned out, you know, I, I have the confidence at this point where I maybe a new writer wouldn't, I'd be able to say to Greg, I want the exclusive on this. When you're ready to go live, let me yeah. know. I've got the platform. Yeah. Let's share it. It was our top story by far last week. Yeah. Uh, still getting good traffic. Yeah, uh, people are fascinated by it, and that yeah. and there's tons of figures out there already. So it, it's obviously there's a there's a market there that yeah. I maybe didn't understand myself, but obviously yeah. I've come to understand it. Yeah, no, I uh, I talked to him. Him and I are are are, are good friends. Uh, I did a podcast about a year ago, and so he told me about it back in uh, I want to say September, October, kind of the idea, the concept, and uh, when I saw your story. Um, I thought it was great. And I'm so glad that they're finally getting it off the ground and launching this because it's, it's way overdue in my opinion. And uh, also I was going to tell you uh, Medusa, I met her and uh, Crusher Fest in Milwaukee back in October and fantastic lady, fantastic lady. She's a character and a half. It's She's, been a, she is. It's been a wonderful trip getting to know her. Um, yeah. The number of times she said, my husband doesn't know this one, but, and then she'll launch into another story. I uh, I think her husband Alan's going to um, probably knock his socks off when he actually reads the book. But there's so much to her life and so many facets. Uh, the, the wrestling again was was almost the least interesting part. Like I wanted to learn about it and yeah. know more about it, but I was intrigued by the monster trucks. And then when you learn her personal story about her upbringing and how difficult it was, and and some of the other uh, trials and tribulation of her life, it it makes it a much better book so much to pack in there whereas the other book i'm working on at the moment is with um former toronto blue jays manager john gibbons okay and like that's going to be a great mainstream book and get lots of attention but it doesn't have all the nuance and the wackiness and all that stuff that medusa's book does yeah it's just they're they're different businesses right they're different people yeah uh, and and it's well, the one year they're they're hockey books they're not necessarily what your audience is interested in but oh. i did a book about father bauer who created mm-hmm. the canadian olympic hockey program so he was a priest who coached hockey and then that same year i did a book about uh joe graton who they called gratuni the loony who was this <laughs> wild nutty wha goalie he had no filter he told me all these stories so if anything i was walking stuff back and I, you know what, we're not going to put that in the book and we're not going to name names. So I, I did, you know, the, 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 the God and the devil in the same year is the books coming out. So that's a little bit with the Medusa book and the John Givens book yeah. are coming out at the same time. So yeah, they're, yeah. they're just very different personalities, but that's part of the challenge, right? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. You do it. You've done a lot of different books, uh, mainly on, on, on hockey and wrestling. I saw a child, a children's book, I believe you did a while back well yeah so my son is 15 now and taller than me and starting <laughs> to work out for football so we have to watch out for that yeah but he was coming to all these events with me when i was selling books right so we go to a hockey card show to sell books 
And so we just decided one day, let's let's create a book together. And so we came up with Duck with a Puck, and he got to go out and do some publicity. And, uh, you know, we were on like a breakfast television show together. Yeah. And, uh, like absolutely golden memories uh, for him and I to do together. And then I did another kid's book um, called uh, Santa's Day Job, which again, it, I, I was a stay-at-home dad. So I knew what these kids were reading. Uh, other kids would give me ideas. Yeah. All those things sort of add up. Um, and then the, the other one, the most recent one, besides Arezzi's Matt Memories book I mentioned, was um, I did a biography on an old actor named Billy Van, who was on, yeah. uh, you know, Sonny and Cher. Yeah, he was here in Canada. He was best known for you know, the hilarious House of Frightenstein and Party Game, but he was on all kinds of stuff. I mean, he was the guy who organized the singers to do the Spider-Man theme song. You know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Oh, okay. So it's it's often miscredited that he did it because it's the Billy Van singers. Well, Billy Van organized it, but he's not actually on their singing. I know that because I talked to his ex-wife and his ex-sister-in-law. Uh, and they they clarified all that. So that again was a fascinating world. But to me, writing is writing, and and you can dig stuff up. And once you're comfortable with yourself and interviewing people, I can do just about anything these days. Yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, you got to be really good at task organizing because you said you've done two books at the same time. That would <clears throat> that would just drive me nuts. I couldn't keep track of what was what. I don't know how um, you do that. Yeah, well, I again, it goes back to the Toronto Sun. Like, I spent three years working in the library there. Mm-hmm. And so I really learned then how to organize things. Um, but I guess it was always like that, right? I, I had clipping files when I'm a teenager. And I still have them with some of the old wrestling stuff. So people often joke about, well, how quick, how can you do some of these obituaries so quick? Well, I've been organized my entire life. So I have a file, I have lots of clippings, I, I can generally find what I need pretty quickly and put something together. I mean, that's pretty amazing that you can write two books simultaneously. I mean, I, I could never do that. There are different stages, which, which helps a lot. The Medusa yeah. book was definitely well in hand before I accepted the John Gibbons job. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just something me personally. I, I interviewed another author, I don't know if you know, Kenny Casanova. Yeah, of course. He's he's a little bit more lively than I. He is, but he told me about some books he wrote simultaneously, and I just was in awe about how you could do that. Um, I guess it's kind of like schoolwork, right? You got different subjects, you got to get it all done at the same time sometimes. So I don't know. The, the writing is actually the easy part. I mean, it's the it's the interviewing and the transcribing. Yeah, it's the research. Like all that takes a lot more time. The writing. I could just go up into my office and, and I purposely have an office where my computer's offline. So I can't get distracted. I just up there and I basically just use, you know, Microsoft word and I write and turn up the music. So that works perfect for me. Might not work out like that for everybody. I can't work in a coffee shop kind of thing. Yeah, no, that'd be a little too distracting. I understand that. So out of all the books you have written in wrestling, let's say the first part, what has been the most rewarding book that you've written for on the wrestling side for you Man. personally? Rewarding is a whole different word, right? I mean, um, the Benoit book we did, which was a quickie book. It was a true crime book, came out almost right away with mm-hmm. Steve Johnson and, and Heath McCoy and Irv Muchnick and I. Um, that sold the most. So that's rewarding. 
but then again, it's divided four ways. So yeah. that changes things. Um, rewarding. That's such a fascinating word. Well, I guess the rewards come when you hear things like uh, Rocky Johnson's wife told me uh, after he got the Canadian's book that he stayed up all night reading it. And that's a wonderful little memory. Um, Bobby Heenan told us that he kept the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, the tag teams in his bathroom. It's like, that blows your mind, right? It's like, yeah. you know, here's Bobby Heenan on the bath, on the bath, you know, yeah, but yeah, I on the toilet, that's like, that's all you need to know right there. And he's got my book. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say if it was toilet paper or not, but <laughs> those kind of things, uh, you know, even just the back and forth. I mean, finally getting to meet Jim Cornette and he signed the tag teams book and, you know, something about, you know, really for the Midnight Express or whatever number they're at, like there's all those rewards that are just um, irreplaceable. And it's, but then you hear from the fans too, the same way. Right. Yeah. And, and family members saying, you know, we really appreciate that. you yeah. Memorialize these guys. Right. Yeah. And it's different being in a book than on the web. Uh, there's still yeah. no comparing to it. Yeah. And I'm not knocking all the great journalism that goes on in the web, but there's also a lot of things that is not journalism on the web and it, it makes it tougher to, to do my job sometimes. Yeah. No, I understand that. Um, on the hockey side, You've written several books. In fact, you got an award, the one I read uh, last year. Yeah, it was it was the Brian. Uh, oh, sorry, it was the President's Award uh, from the Society for International Hockey Research. Yeah, which is pretty great. Uh, I just really believe in what those guys are doing. Yeah, and we've never quite organized the same way with wrestling historians that we have with hockey. Yeah, and and that's probably okay. I mean, wrestling itself is not as organized as hockey. Yeah, and. <laughs> But I mean, we have a fellowship with other other historians, right? Yeah. Whether it's in hockey, whether it's in wrestling. Uh, I've laid out like probably 40 different books over the years. Um, so you learn a guy like J. Michael Kenyon, who's a famous wrestling historian, but he was also a basketball historian. And so he helped me, you know, get to know some of the uh, Association for Professional Basketball Researchers. And those guys helped me with this total basketball book that we did. So there's like-minded people and it takes a certain kind of person to really research, not a mass to research. And, and there is a difference, right? Some guys mm -hmm. are collectors yeah. and they love to share and show what they have, mm -hmm. but other people really like to dig and, and get their hands dirty and ask a lot of questions. And th those are different things, but they're very much complementary, and we need each other, right? Mm -hmm. I need those guys that, that do all the collecting uh, mm -hmm. because they help me, you know, look through things and then, and dig further. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. No, uh, you are very in depth, uh, on your books. Um, uh, I've, I've looked through a few of them there and, and they're, and they are quite well-researched and, and yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I, but, but everything, it's just like anything in life, right? Everything builds on each other, right? My Canadian's mm -hmm. book is not as good as the storyteller, the pro wrestling hall of fame, the storytellers. Yeah. Like, I, I remember my editor sent me a note after he got it and he said it was probably the best written pro wrestling book he'd ever gotten. Like just quality of the writing and all that. Yeah. And that's hugely complimentary to me, but I also know we did a hell of a lot of work on it. There's so many people and, and subjects that are tackled in there that, that don't get talked about anywhere else. Mm -hmm. I mean, who else writes about, you know, wrestling on the radio that used to exist. Yeah. We don't even think about that. Podcasting is supposed to be so revolutionary. Well, okay, it's it wrestling's been on the airwaves yeah. a long time. 
Yeah. Yeah, it has. Yeah, since what, probably the 30s, 40s, whatever? The 30s, yeah. In fact, yeah. Bill Mercer, who's still alive, who was the voice of world-class yeah. championship wrestling, he started calling wrestling matches on the air. I think it was in uh, Muskogee. Yeah, okay. if I remember correctly. So, I mean, it's just fascinating that yeah. uh, the pro wrestling business has been around this long and yeah. continues to thrive. And, and we might be at a, an apex now where there's so much content out there that it'll never be the same again. Like it, it, it almost seems like there needs to be contraction, you know, because there's just too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, right now, I mean, I don't watch it a lot as much as I used to, kind of like you stated earlier. But um, it's not just WWE anymore as the main hub. You have the AEWs, the Ring of or, uh, Impact Wrestling, um, and some indies. And some indies are even starting to come out of the woodwork and get some national exposure. I think it's good in a way, because it kind of makes you get different content. And I don't know how you feel about that. How do you, I mean, you kind of said it's kind of getting overdone, but. Well, yeah, it, maybe not overdone, but there's, there's something for everybody out there. Yeah. And as a mainstream website that's been around, you know, 25 years, mm-hmm. we have to really pick and choose. It's not our job to include everything. Right. And so, yeah, for, you know, if we may feature a death match here and there, that doesn't mean we're going to do death matches all the time. Right. Uh, we, you know, you cover the mainstream stuff, but you also want to include that profile on the guy who was an enhancement talent mm-hmm. or, you know, some woman that's been completely forgot about or the little people. Mm-hmm. We don't deal in just rumors like so many sites, right, that are, right. are yeah. more interested in some cryptic tweet that some guy posted than actually doing the work and talking to somebody mm-hmm. and interviews are certainly the, the core of our site. And yeah. I, I, I just love doing interviews, talking to people and um, the secondary quotes are almost as important, mm-hmm. you know? So like with the, the story that went up today was on Luke Cox and his work with the, the, the stars show heels. And, you know, for that, I talked to a couple of different people, including his son, but they all interweave somehow, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. talking to Jay Spade, who's one of the guys who's on the show, also gets me talking to other guys. It's a, I, I just love that aspect of the business, right? That you're, you're building your Rolodex, to use a really old term, but that's exactly it, right? Life is about who you know. It's about contacts. It's being able to call in favors. It's about them reaching out when they need something and say, hey, I've got this great idea. What can we do? Uh, so you get that with the smaller promotions. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they're all good at publicity uh, right. for everyone that that's good. Like, you know, AEW is okay. And, and impact, uh, you know, WWE doesn't need us. They don't think they need us anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fine. I, that's their decision. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, you and I grew up in the territory era. Do you think that's a, a missing component of today's wrestling? Because back in the 80s, our era, when we were teenagers, you know, you got the magazines and you had all these different um, stories about the territorial system. You know, they were part of the NWA or whatever, but you could see uh, Southeastern wrestling or Continental, Mid-South, 
uh, you know, now you don't really see that too much. Um, do you think that's kind of a missing component for even for writers today uh, covering wrestling? Well, I don't think it's truly gone away. Like okay. it's it's still there today. So again, using the the Luke Hawks and Jay Spade example, I mean, Jay was mentioning how tough it is to get noticed because he's based in New Orleans. You know, their Wildcat Wrestling promotion is very successful, drawing you know a couple thousand people to shows. So they don't run all the time, you know, but they have a, a television component or a web component. So they exist down there in that world. For those guys to get noticed, they got to go somewhere else, right, to get that next step. Here in Ontario, there's, there's all kinds of guys, but nobody knew who Josh Alexander was until he got to Impact Wrestling. <laughs> and he made this huge impact, every pun intended. And, <laughs> but, I mean, that's the way it's got to work, right? You need yeah. that break. You need that guy to, to believe in you or that woman to believe in you and bring you to the next step. So there's those pockets all across mm-hmm. the country and you know, even like Mexico is sort of a territory, right? You're bringing yeah. guys up, but that's us just sim- being simplistic, right? Mexico's got different territories. There's different guys that work Tijuana than, than work down in Mexico city that, you know, that are different than down in Monterey, uh, Japan, same thing, right? You've got all the different levels. So I think the territory system still exists, but because nobody really runs territories, they're not running a dozen different cities over the course of two weeks, it doesn't right. feel like a territory. I guess what I'm kind of implying also is that, you know, the territory days, if you had, I don't know, let's just say Ray Stevens or a crippler, he could be in Georgia for a few months. Then they kind of write him out, but then he'd show up in uh, mid-Atlantic, right? And it was kind of a smooth transition he'd still be on TV. There's more exposure because they were all kind of connected. Now it's WWE. And then you got to change your name. If you go to a W, cause you can't be, unless it's your real name, you right. can't be uh, diesel. Okay. Or razor Ramon like they had. And then they go to WCW back in the nineties and they had to use the real names because it was a copyright infringement. That's what I'm, Kind well, of but, but on that aspect, I mean, you're talking about all these little places that are stepping up, right? Defy out in Seattle, mm-hmm. right? And they run the, the Pacific Northwest. I mean, they're bringing in all these talent mm-hmm. from all these different spots, right? And they may be doing one shots, but then they start to come back and it becomes sort of a regular spot. The problem really is, though, that nobody is running regularly, right? Yeah. Even, even okay. the major promotions, nobody's running house shows. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So when there's the occasional thing like a tour of the Maritimes in Canada in the summer Mm -hmm. where all the arenas, they they take the ice out so they can run the arenas. Or when a guy like a Danny Duggan, who's based out of Winnipeg, will do a tour of Western Canada Mm -hmm. and he'll hit a show, a town every show every day. Um, Those are wonderful opportunities for wrestlers to learn and get better. And there just isn't enough of that anymore. It, yeah. Back in our day, if you were a wrestler, meant you made a living wrestling and just really wrestling. Today, you're a wrestler. Yeah, you, you work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but you make your money selling merch or yeah. pimping yourself out on OnlyFans or whatever it is. And, <laughs> and that's fine. Those, those opportunities didn't exist 
back in the back in the 1980s, right? You could have had a fabulous Moolah only fame channel. It could have been something. Yeah. You just let's let's be realistic. But like so the things change and that's fine, right? Yeah. Merch is so much easier to do now than it used to be. Oh yeah, definitely. Um yeah, it's it's a lot more f- streamlined and, and faster. Yeah, I agree. So I know you're working on this Medusa book. Is there anything else you're gonna you're working on? <laughs> uh, there's always a thousand things. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, there is a, a really good story that's in with Sports Illustrated that I can't really talk about at the moment. Okay. Um, but it's wrestling related. It's gonna um, shake some tail feathers. Uh, the Medusa book has been great. What's beyond that? I don't know. Uh, we've been mulling Monster Truck book because there's never been a book for adults on Monster Trucks. Well, there you Isn't go. that insane? Like, remember how Mick Foley's book really changed the game because yeah. it became a bestseller. He wasn't the first wrestling book. He wasn't the best wrestling book, but he was the right wrestling book at the right time yeah. that made the bestseller list that all of a sudden opened the door for all these other books that uh, are out there. And, you yeah. know, a good couple of dozen of them probably didn't need to ever be out there, but they are. And that's fine. <laughs> and it, it helps us as historians and fans to um, to fill in a lot of gaps in, in what happened out there. And, and some of them are even true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you said you don't, you catch some wrestling. Is there a promotion right now that you think is really stepping up in your opinion? I really like, just following along with the, my website, right? And I, I deal with the readers, they're my writers, and I know what they're writing about. So I sort of follow that way. I'll flip on AEW here and there, mm-hmm. uh, WWE, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Um, I got into the NWA. I was lucky to go down while working on Medusa's book. I went down and spent four days at the NWA tapings in Atlanta. Uh, three of those days were backstage because she was producing. So I got to experience what she did to be able to include that in the book. But um, I really became a fan of what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just, it's sort of what we remember it to be. It's the studio yeah. wrestling idea. Yeah. It's stars, but they're also still grounded. They're not out there uh, trying to become, you know, superstars and all these mm-hmm. kind of things. They're out there just because they want to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And I have mad respect for what Billy Corrigan and yeah. Pat Kenny and, and Kyle Davis and all, all them are doing. And I wish them all the best. And uh, yeah, the Crockett Cup's coming up for them. And that's pretty exciting too. And that that's a throwback, right? I remember oh, yeah. how that Crockett Cup was back when they first launched because you're trying to figure out who are these teams? You know, these are fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I actually went to the uh, NWA 70 event in Nashville four years ago now almost. Um, okay. Really, all those guys, they had a little ordeal before the event happened in a separate building. They had a bunch of those wrestlers in there, take a picture with them, get their autograph. Really down-to-earth guys and, and women um, would talk to you, wouldn't like try to push you away or anything, like they ain't got time or they want to get along with their, sell you your merchandise. They never pushed anything, which was great. And because uh, my wife is not a big fan, I'll be honest with you, but she went with me and she actually enjoyed it. So um, I agree. Uh, the NWA is is doing something different. It's unfortunate that COVID had hit and kind of put back some with because their YouTube series and, and what they were doing was was 
was strong, I thought, and was going places. I'll, I'll date myself. I was at the NWA 50th anniversary. Okay. Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And that was probably one of my greatest wrestling memories, too. It was like, you know, on that day, you know, you're an interviewer, you're from Harley Race <clears throat> to Killer Kowalski to Missy Hyatt yeah. to Todd Gordon, who, of course, started ECW. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people there I knew, like Luthez and uh, uh, Tiger Ali Singh was there. They had a lot of those developmental guys. Uh, yeah. I look back and I, how fantastic a day it was to to be there for that event. That's also one of those, that was a famous event too, because that's the one where um, Steven Regal uh, was a little bit too messed up to perform. Uh, Steve Williams was there. Like, again, I've had so many wonderful opportunities through wrestling and met a lot of great people. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few people I don't like, but, you know, that's that's life. That's life, uh, yeah. But the fact is, you know, I'm a journalist and, yeah. you know, you try to deal with everybody, you try to be fair with everybody, yeah. and you're never going to please everybody. No. That's that's the reality that's life right yeah yeah exactly yeah i'm going to wrestlecon down in dallas here in about uh three weeks at the end of the month here in march um are you having anything down there do you got any well i think going for, we're waiting for a confirmation for a writer for for mania that he'll okay. be there, uh as as media because there's there's got to be a I don't know what the best way to describe it is at this point, after 25 years of running a site, mm-hmm. you know, we should be able to get into events and yeah. we do. Yeah. And so WrestleMania, we're just waiting for confirmation on that. Okay. Um, yeah. So it'll, it'll be very interesting for sure. Okay. Uh, it's always an exciting time. It's funny. I was, my brother's a big basketball guy and he's going to one, one of the days of the final four in new Orleans. Oh, wow. And I said, well, I can't come join you because that's WrestleMania weekend. That's always yeah. my busiest weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah we're waiting here for our, our photographer and our, our writer's going to get in. Okay. Uh, we'll get details. We'll have stories there. Maybe you can contribute for me, Brian. <laughs> I'm going to WrestleCon. It's all right. It's all good. That's, and that's, and, and I'm going to. All those guys, too. Michael yeah. Bocini, all of them, the high spots guys. I am looking forward to it. I've never been, I mean, right now I just went on the site there. I, I already bought my ticket and all that stuff, but right now they got over like, I think I got 110 people lined up right now and they're still adding people every day. And I'm pretty excited about it. I know a few of the guys. Um, I'll have to just shake hands a lot of times. I can't afford those prices on those autographs and those pictures, but yeah, that does become, well, then again, I've been privileged to be able to experience, you know, these guys in different settings, right. Going yeah. for beers or, you know, yeah. Yeah. So sitting down in the bar with, you know, Stan Hansen and his mm-hmm. son are, is, and, and Barbara Goodish. So Frank, you know, Goodish is, is yep. a widow, Bruiser Brody. So like it's, that can be surreal, right. Or, yeah. or you know, you're sitting having a hot dog with Ken Patera in Vegas mm-hmm. at the college rally club. Yeah. It, those opportunities are just magical. Yeah. Uh, WrestleCon was up here in Toronto. They ran one up here oh, okay. and my staff helped staff it, right? You've, yeah. you've never been to one of these events. You'll see they need a lot of volunteers, even if they just stand there with the wrestler and collect the tickets. Yeah. And so my slam staff did that. And we had wonderful opportunities to hang out, do all yeah. these things. And then we ran a, a breakfast as a fundraiser for the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Okay. It was our fifth Titans in Toronto dinner. But, I mean, talk about memories. Like mm-hmm. Bruno Sammartino telling me, please make sure that the Wolfman Willie Farkas and Sweet Daddy Seeky both come out to see me. So I made sure both those guys got out 
to see yeah. Bruno when he was in town. That's like, great. That's that's magical, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, another Titans dinner I ran in Toronto. Dominic Danucci got to see his original partner, Dino Bravo. This is the original Dino Bravo from the fifties. It was okay. Dino, Dino and Dominic Bravo, and they hadn't seen each other in thirty-five years. And wow. It's like I made that happen. I I got them together. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm truly blessed. Yeah. No, I was amazing. You talk about meeting people. I had the opportunity. I stay at the same hotel as uh, like Medusa Bischoff. Greg and Jim Brunzel and KJ. And I'd already talked to Greg and Jimmy before, uh, but we met up that night after the first event and sat around and had some beers and, and ate some food and it was wonderful. I mean, I learned, I mean, it was just great talking. They're just like normal people, but at first you're kind of starstruck. I was like, I'm sitting around with these legends and they're just talking to me like I've known them for 20 years. It was, it was fantastic. I really enjoy that's exactly it. They're people too. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, I remember the pro wrestling hall of fame when it was in Amsterdam, New York, right. I'd come down mm-hmm. for breakfast and Paul Orndorff is sitting by himself. Well, I just go over, introduce myself. You sit down and you talk about non-wrestling stuff, right. It's, it's just life in, in Iowa at one of those events, my dad and I went and we sat down with Nikita Koloff and his dad. So, you know, it's not just about wrestling. It's these guys are real people. You find out about them, their personal lives, their kids. It, it I just yeah. enjoy wrestling people in general because they tell good stories. Yeah. And they often don't have a filter. And they've never, <laughs> and compared to the hockey guys, right, who always had a general manager or a coach that yeah. made sure they got back to the hotel by 1130, uh, the wrestlers didn't have that. So they lived yeah. a completely different life. Yeah. Um, a lot more debauchery, uh, yeah. for sure. Uh, some of it, which can't write about, obviously. But <laughs> yeah. That's part of the fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is. All right, sir. Mr. Greg Oliver, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. I know you're a busy man. And uh, folks, if you haven't read some of his books, you really need to. He's got, he's a great writer. And uh, he's been doing this for a long time and a true wrestling fan and hockey fan. <laughs> so, yeah, slamwrestling.net. Slamwrestling.net. Uh, yeah, is, is the website. But oliverbooks.ca uh, is where you can find all my books, descriptions, links to buy them. Uh, and my wife's book. My wife wrote uh, ah. Bang Your Head, the biography of Dewey Robertson, The Missing Link. Uh, okay. And- yeah, so it's uh, it's a pretty wild uh, life we've led over the years. So we just passed uh, Dewey's birthday would have been uh, 83. So we have a lot of fond memories of him. Too. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Well, again, folks, Mr. Greg Oliver, sir, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. And folks, we'll talk to you soon.